And I want to take us uh, today to the sixth chapter of Matthew. And of course, you will recognize right away that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, actually, I'm going to look at um, a, a topic regarding prayer today that I'm, I'm going to divide into two parts. And the Lord willing, uh, next month, if the Lord allows, I will finish this up. Um, and uh, the reason I'm doing that is because, uh, as you know, preachers, they like to do series, but it's not just that. It's, uh, it's Sometimes it's hard to get everything in in, in uh, one, uh, one shot here. So uh, so I'm going to I'm going to divide it up. And uh, what I've entitled this uh, today and hopefully next month is this uh, two significant hindrances to prayer. Now, you know, perhaps we as believers, uh, we, we we avoid thinking about things in our own lives which could could potentially hinder our prayer life. I mean, after all, that's 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 pretty negative. But, you know, sometimes we, we have to face some of the things in the scripture and what the Bible tells us that aren't always positive. And those things are really life learning lessons for us. And so we don't avoid them because they make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, we, we, we look at them, we, we read and study them and we heed them because they are important and significant for us. So today I want to look at the, the first one and, and there are, perhaps many more, but I think these are two very, very weighty um, things that if we are not aware, uh, then this could actually be a hindrance to prayer in our own lives. And of course, the first one comes from the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, in the sixth chapter, of course, we find the, the model prayer that the Lord gives, and in that context, following that prayer that serves as a model for us. In verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, these verses are very familiar to us. I'm sure that we have read them, we have heard them, uh, preached or taught many, many times, but I wonder if maybe sometimes we uh, skip over or we don't think about some of these familiar verses, and I think that these two are extremely significant, it, and especially in the fact that, again, many times we as believers uh, think, perhaps, that we are going along great, but I wonder if if God were to give us a spiritual report card, how surprised we would be at the, the marks that we were to receive. Uh, in other words, sometimes we perceive ourselves perhaps better and more spiritually mature than we think we are, especially in times of crisis and moments of challenge. Um, and, you know, moments of challenge uh, often reveal uh, where we are uh, in our maturity spiritually. And so when we have interpersonal problems, and and most of you on here are old enough to know and have experienced that one of the biggest challenges in life, isn't it, uh, it is sometimes people problems. Uh, and, and it's a challenge. It's an ongoing thing that we have, and sometimes it derails uh, people. 
Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes it, it uh, gets them off track for the rest of their lives. And it need not be that way if we are uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the first hindrance of prayer that I want to focus on again is, today is uh, an unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit. You know, when wronged, we are always to possess a forgiving spirit. And that's very, very difficult to do uh, because we possess that old carnal nature uh, that uh, that doesn't want to forgive. In fact, we we are surrounded. We live in a culture and a society that says, you know what? When you're wronged, it doesn't matter who they are, whether they are a brother in Christ or not. Um, I'm going to get even uh, at some point, or I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Um, and, and those things we either think about or we, we do. Uh, and that is not the way Christ has taught us or and is teaching us in this Sermon on the Mount. It's very different for the disciple uh, when it comes to uh, uh, how we react when we are wronged by others. And this is a very, very common thing. And most of you, uh, I'm sure, again, as I said, are very um, familiar with this. And maybe you have been wrong. And again, my challenge for all of us is that we had better do some introspection to make sure that we have reacted properly and that we have the proper attitude when it comes to forgiving. Again, as I said, the, the biblical mandate is that when we are wrong, someone has sinned against us. We're to have a forgiving spirit at, at the very least. Uh, oftentimes, uh, complete reconciliation uh, unfortunately eludes people who have had a falling out, maybe even in families. Uh, that's the goal. But sometimes uh, it doesn't always happen. Uh, and what do we do? Well, um, we, we can't, we can't you know, totally reconcile if nobody asks our forgiveness. But what we can do is we, as children of God, in order to be right with him, we can have the spirit of forgiveness. So in other words, if they were to come and ask, they're forgiven. Uh, and I, I think that's the biblical way to do this. And you know what's interesting, folks, is that the disciples struggled with this as well. Um, yes, you know what? Even the disciples had interpersonal problems, didn't they? And even amongst themselves, which I think sometimes is um, slightly humorous uh, when we see all of the uh, infighting uh, uh, among the disciples, especially, you know, they got upset with one another when the two sons of thunder uh, wanted cabinet positions in Christ's coming kingdom. And uh, when they didn't get it, they, they, they employed their mother uh, to do their work for them. Uh, and uh, the disciples didn't like that. It didn't go over very well. So there's always been uh, interpersonal problems and difficulties. There's always been this attitude, well, if I'm wrong, somebody does something to me, what do I do? And in, and in um, Luke 17, if you want to turn there, there's another very, very interesting passage that I think is very significant for us in this regard. And maybe we have not focused on this as much as we ought to, but uh, verse 3 says, and again, our, these are our Lord's words where he says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, two significant words here, forgive him. 
And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. There's the command. That's a hard, very difficult passage to put into practice. And uh, uh, most of us uh, would have to admit we, we would or maybe we do have trouble with that. Um, and so even the disciples had trouble with this. And what does Jesus say? Well, let me, let me back up for just a moment and just say this. The first principle that we need to understand about forgiveness, number one, is that forgiveness is not a process over time. Uh, I've had some say, well, I'll forgive you, but this, are, this is going to be a long, drawn-out process in order to forgive. I think that violates uh, Luke 17. Our Lord says, if they come and they ask, what is our response? It's not a process of time. He says, you forgive them. Uh, and it's also not a, uh, a, a, uh, a matter of perception. In other words, um, we hear sometimes people saying something like this. Well, you know, they said the words, I'm sorry, or they asked me to forgive them, but they just didn't seem sincere. And so, and again, I know there's some discernment there, but however, um, we don't base it totally on perception. Uh, we don't base it on, well, I don't think, I didn't see any tears, I didn't see any emotion, so I don't know if I'm going to forgive them. Well, there's no qualifications here in Luke 17. So it's, it's, it is not a process. It's not our, our, our perception. It is actually forgiveness is a promise. Let me give you three quick things about that. First of all, forgiveness involves a promise not to resurrect the offense to the person in the future. Uh, if, we, if we have said that we're forgiving them, we forgive. Now, we do not have the cap capability to forgive and forget. That's a misnomer. But it's a promise not to bring up the offense. Uh, and that's important. You know, this goes right along with what the Lord tell, uh, tells us about himself as he forgives us. Uh, when the Lord says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west when he forgives us, if we go two opposite directions uh, and we keep going as far as we can go, what is that? That's infinity. Um, and so he has removed them in the sense of in infinitely removed them. In other words, he has chosen not to bring them up. God doesn't forget either. But he doesn't bring up our sins uh, against us. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, part of the problem that we have is we often bring them back up and we beat ourselves over the head with the sins that God says he's already removed. And that's our fault. But the second thing is, it is also a promise not to speak to others about the offense. One of the biggest problems in churches is widening the circle when it comes to uh, interpersonal problems. And this will invariably lead to the sin of gossip if we begin to widen the circle and go on a personal crusade to justify ourselves. And thirdly, it's a promise not to brood over the offense. And we again can, can think and we can just brood over this problem and this situation that we have with people. And if we do that, it will cause all kinds of problems and even lead to bitterness if we're not careful. Well, what's the result of all of this? Well, when we do not forgive our Heavenly Father, 
I think this is such a, a heavy, weighty statement in Scripture, perhaps one of the heaviest. He says, if you do not forgive them, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And I wonder, I've often wondered how often I or maybe others are walking around. We think we're okay, but we've got that little thought in our hearts. We've got that grudge maybe against somebody who has wronged us when we've done them no wrong, wrong to them. Uh, to them. And, and we, we begin to, again to brood and all those things that I just talked about. And we begin to harbor a little bit of, uh, of a grudge. You know, folks, here's the thing. And I've had to tell myself this many times. But it's awfully hard to keep a grudge against somebody that we're praying for. And I think that if we have those that have done us evil, and they have said things about us and against us and done things to us. And by the way, this can include family members as well. Let's bring them before the throne of God by name. And what we'll find is that will that will take away all of the angst and the anxiousness and even the bitterness that we have for that individual. It's hard to have a grudge against somebody that we're praying for. And so... I just want to leave you with that today. And you know, I thought about this as well, that 1 John 1, 9, what a wonderful, blessed, great verse that is in our relationship with the Lord, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that does not work, and that will not be applied if we have harbored bitterness, anger, revenge, and unforgiveness in our hearts towards somebody else. That's significant. And I hope we I hope that we will understand that. And I hope that we will think about that as we go through our lives. Again, we come into contact with people. Oftentimes we have disagreements or differences of opinion and or we have disappointments and uh, maybe infighting even within families. It's hard. And I know that and the Lord knows that too. But I want to encourage us all as believers today to take those things and bring them and bring the people specifically before the Lord. And you know what? We will begin to discover that when we cast those, even those kinds of cares before the Lord, we will find out that he truly cares for us. May God bless you.